Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the DXM Podcast. I am your host, Colborn Bell. I am joined today uh, by artist Leander Herzog. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. It's an honor. It's an absolute pleasure to have you as well. Uh, we start the episodes in the exact same place all the time, and that is really just giving you the space to talk a bit about yourself, uh, introduce your practice, and please tell us how you came to find crypto art and NFTs. Okay, uh, so I started um, coding in general, I would say 2006, maybe. Uh, so that's uh, a few years ago, actually. Um, got really, really into generative design and generative art after a processing workshop with Marius Watts. Uh, then I became a Flash developer, basically, because that was uh, almost the only commercial avenue to do something creative with code back then. Uh, for a short time, I was actually like an artist working with a lot of um, commercial agencies, doing a lot of ads and stuff like that. Um, the economic crisis in 2008 uh, sort of like put a quick end to that. Uh, so I spent the next decade in the design and tech industry, building websites, uh, designing websites, making digital products um, for small clients, big clients, um, as a freelancer with big agencies, uh, sort of that stuff. Uh, also was really into creative coding, always together with clients uh, in a sort of like commercial context, I would say. Um, and then at some point, uh, my timeline escalated to um, NFTs. So I was forced to look into that, uh, gave it a try, and it worked out really nicely. Uh, I was very skeptical at first uh, because of the environmental um, debate um, impact uh, that was really big back then. Um, so that's why I got started on Tezos. Um, really loved TicketMonk, uh, then Object, and then FXHash. Um, also did some ETH stuff every now and then, uh, but really... Um, actually prefer Tezos, I would say. And that's yeah. sort of like my, my entry point and what has worked out really well. And I'm still doing the same stuff I have done um, all the years, but now there is a market for it and it's a sustainable business, I would say. You know, I read that, you know, Mario Quasimondo is a good friend of the museum. He's been a dear friend to us. I think, you know, you, you count him as a reference uh, of somebody who, you know, helps you get into the space. Uh, so that's it. Just wanted to shout him out because because he's an incredible artist. Definitely, like um, I would say, most of the people I know in the space um, started because of Mario uh, and Johnny Lemercier, uh, guys like that who are really vocal, like in the beginning. Um, and most of us artists who are like skeptical and sort of like critical towards the whole crypto thing, um, sort of gave it a try because of these guys. Definitely. Yeah, you know, that's actually interesting and something I'd love to dig into with you because generally, you know, there is, there could not be a wider gulf between your average crypto bro and like a, a conscientious artist. Um, so maybe you could take us back to those times and begin to, you know, obviously the environmental debate was a huge one. Um, could you just share what it was like in the beginning and the things that you were hearing? Um, well, like in the very, very beginning was like, I would say 2012, when I heard first about uh, Bitcoin, I looked into that. I was like, yeah, it's not my thing. Yeah. Uh, basically, it uses too much energy. It doesn't even make sense. Like, that's stupid. I'm not going to get into that. Um, at the same time, I was really into cryptography and sort of like figured out from scratch, like, okay, what is public key crypto? Um, how does encryption work? Um, like data privacy, security, all that kind of stuff was really into that. 
So I actually have like a pretty deep understanding of it, I would say, like not of blockchain in particular, but of, of cryptography. Uh, but I really didn't connect it um, to art uh, or to NFTs, of course, at that at that time, and completely missed uh, all the early opportunities there. Sadly, uh, that's that's how it goes. Um, and I remember, like uh, 2018 or so, I was actively thinking about, okay, like how could I take my art, which is based on code, and sign it somehow cryptographically and mm. generate like a certificate or something. Because the only guy that really like had a good method to sell digital art, well, not the only, but one of the prominent uh, people, I would say, was Rafael Rosendahl with his website sales contract, right? Um, and I was looking at that and thinking like, okay, like a traditional contract is sort of cool, like, but also kind of uncool. It's just a contract in the end. It's difficult if you like want to run a global business uh, on the internet. Uh, maybe crypto can help somehow, but uh, really didn't connect the dots. And this only worked out when NFTs uh, really took off. A lot of questions there. You know, something that it, it immediately comes to mind is how, you know, like the legacy of generative art and then kind of the market frenzy that was created around generative art. Um, do you think there is just something about the the user base of crypto that connects with generative art um yeah i think so um i think there are many um technical and social dynamics at play right now and we will take like another couple of years at least to understand what is actually happening yeah. Um, I think some people um, understand the gamification aspect of it that works really well, especially connected with like trading and the financial aspect, right? Hmm. Uh, but then I think there's many, many more layers to this, for example, that um, a lot of people don't really have like, uh, um, I would say, uh, an educated taste or a lot of like ideas about art history. So they are confused and not sure how to make decisions and they sort of like get a, a plausible deniability from being able to have a blind mint and then just get some art. <laughs> um, because like, um, I mean, the art market is huge and there's a lot of art out there and making choices is hard, right? And we have somehow like built a game that allows you to participate without making um, too many uh, very difficult choices where you expose yourself and your insecurities about your own tastes uh, and interest in art and and like there's like many difficult social um, dynamics at play there right now I feel so this is something that rolls around in my mind a lot and I'm curious if just like the speed of technology and communication is creating uh like these these FOMO moments where price is leading before history and people are like bootstrapping through price anything into importance as opposed to like where it fits or the intention or why it was created, or even if there is like significant time for somebody to begin to like explain and share why and what they did. Yeah, I think right now it's, it's very random, like what is successful and what isn't. Um, yeah. I think um, people like me or like even the generation before me, um, we have spent like soon it will be like 20 years almost looking at generative art. So obviously we have like a very different um, perspective and view on things compared to someone who started like getting into that a year ago, right? Like it's, yeah. it's just obvious, like no matter how smart and how passionate and how interested you are, like you can't have the same sort of insights um, in just a year or two. 
So it's just very random who is successful and who isn't. Um, definitely some people profit from that. If it's artists, I, I'm very happy for them. Uh, yeah. if, it's, if it's traders, that's also cool. Um, I think in the long term, uh, it will definitely like be very different people and projects that are considered like relevant and successful um, compared to right now, maybe. I liken it, you know, I liken it a lot to what is happening in AI. There are people that, you know, use other people's models to generate visually beautiful outputs. I don't particularly consider that to, I don't consider like prompt engineering to like particularly be art. I really want somebody that's in there that designs, that builds their own model, knows their code. Um, and it is just so difficult from an outside perspective to know who that is without that knowledge. And I think, you know, very few people have like the depth of experience, the depth of knowledge uh, that you and other people have in this space. And of course, I imagine you don't necessarily want to be out there like criticizing people for. Yeah, it's honestly, sometimes it's hard uh, behind the scenes. Uh, we have a lot of criticism for all kinds of projects and people, of course, uh, but we try to stay positive and professional at all times. Uh, usually works out, it's, it's always a better idea. Yeah. Um, sometimes I regret um, that I got into generative art that early and have seen so many things because um, sometimes you would wish that uh, you could just get up in the morning and do like a, a flow field or do something funny with Perlin noise and call it a day. And then you have like a huge audience and they're all like, wow, amazing. This is yeah. the best thing ever. And you're like, okay, yeah, this is actually the best thing ever. I invented this like five minutes ago. It's, it's absolutely fantastic and everybody loves it and is into it. and because you have all this background, you're basically at a different point where, you, where you're unable to do like these easy wins and low hanging fruits yeah. um, for better or worse, you know, like uh, definitely could have made a lot more money last year by going for more low hanging fruits. Uh, but I think my generation is already like beyond that because we already done that uh, at a point when it wasn't as lucrative. Yeah. But still, we've been there, we've done that. Uh, we don't try to get like back to that place and do it again because that would be lame. But this is where I really feel like the, the NFT space, because of its nascency, really suffers from lack of legitimacy, right? We have so many people trying to prop up so many things that really, upon any sort of thorough examination by any sort of like somebody who knows better, um, you know, and it's it's gotten... It's gotten rough lately. I think there's just like a lot of bullying. There's a lot of like, why are you putting these people down? There's a lot of just like candy positivity um, and trying to just like tuck all that under the rug. Uh, and I think it does kind of a, a great disservice. And, and sadly, it chases like a lot of really good people out of the space. I've, uh, one of the big, uh, really big things I have learned last year uh, during this whole NFT thing is like if there is something going on that I don't like, um, but people have fun and there's like an audience for it uh, and they're selling it and buying it and they're all happy and excited about it. Like, who am I to hate them from the sidelines, right? Uh, I'm basically just happy for them and we just have to uh, let them learn together um, and hope they will still be around uh, in the near future when they know more than they do today. Uh, but it's, it's, it's really like uh, sort of uh, naive from our side to sort of like, hate to people for like a lack of knowledge because they're just getting started. Yeah, look, I totally, I totally agree with that. I think whatever gets people in the door is wonderful. Uh, I just get worried when people get sold things it, where it's like almost not what you expect. 
Um, so maybe more of the gambling aspect. And I guess people are, of course, free to do whatever they want with their own money and uh, feel however they feel. But there is something that kind of grates me on what I feel like could be sustainable and could be interesting. But so much of this world is really just out to get a quick buck. Yeah, true. I mean, if, if you're a collector and you buy something and you look at it like a year later and you think like, mm, maybe that wasn't so great. Um, I don't have like any feelings for you. Like, I'm not yeah. sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no love lost. Um, and, and also like we have to, we have to say that um, there's all this stuff going on, but there's also like more and more better art. Uh, and it's also getting collected and more and more like um, good collectors who really learn a lot quickly. Yeah. Um, so there is definitely, I think, um, quality is getting better um, on all levels and on all sides. Uh, and we don't have to forget that, even though maybe it's only 10% of the market or 5 or 1% or like whatever it is, but um, it's also happening. I want to ask you, because I'm sure in 2006, when you were just getting started, when you were building websites for all of these clients, you really saw kind of like a, the emergence and like building of web too. And I wonder if there's like lessons from those times that you think might be analogous to what's happening. Um, yeah, absolutely. We, we called it web 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, it was like, uh, we were not sure what it is. It was in the beginning, it was mostly about like shiny rounded buttons. Yeah, sure. um, and like uh, sort of like cool uh, user interfaces and user generated content um, and all these kinds of things. And people were really hyped about it. And we were also skeptical, uh, but it took off. And obviously, um, platforms like um, Flickr and stuff like that were really interesting. Um, and I just knew when I saw the Web3 thing taking off, like, OK, this is the next thing, right? And um, people in the agency I worked really didn't get it. Uh, and they were like, oh, it's just like crypto NFTs. It's a fad. It's a fraud. Uh, it's a scam. We don't believe in it. But I've been there before and I know, okay, like this is the next iteration of the web. That is maybe it, it will take time. It will take a year or five years, but eventually it will really change uh, the game for us and especially for art. Um, so I think um, it helps me to sort of like see how serious that is in general. So, you know, I think crypto suffers like majorly from a, a user interface, user experience problem. Uh, you know, the reason I was first attracted to NFTs was, was because I thought it had the opportunity to onboard like thousands of digital creatives to begin to have a bit of a mind meld with like the technologists and the pure play capitalists that are in this system and all in all make like a healthier ecosystem. I'm curious if you have any opinions there of ways like we can continue to make the experience for people like engaging, interesting outside of just like pure trading. Yeah, um, I hear this a lot that like, um, especially in the beginning, like, okay, I'm hiccup, no, the interface is terrible. It's really crazy. Uh, the user experience is just like horrible. It's absolute <laughs> shit. Uh, honestly, uh, personally, like I'm a web designer um, and, and I know a lot about like user experiences and I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's that bad. And I love my Twitter timeline. It's full of amazing art. Like I scroll through like the most amazing art every time um, I basically open this app um, and I see a lot of stuff and I can buy it. 
uh, and I'm buying art like not daily, but um, I buy a lot of art still, uh, mostly on the cheaper end. Uh, but it's very easy. I just scroll, I click on something, I verify if it's like the right account. Um, yeah. But then I just it's just a click. And then I can also list it and flip it with also just a click. Um, and I literally let, like make money with just clicking two buttons. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I collected amazing, really amazing art that I absolutely love with, with just a click. Or maybe like, to be fair, two clicks, right? Like I click a collect button and then I click another button in my wallet. But still, like compared to a web 2.0 checkout where you have like a credit card address, all that kind of stuff. It's actually pretty good. So uh, to be honest with you, I, I'm not really with the people who complain too much like that this is extremely difficult and a horrible experience because I think we've come really far. Um, and if you ask me like what could be better, of course, there are like um, small improvements and fixes and things will evolve. But I think it's already pretty cool. So that begs the question, like what is there to do with all of this art that you've collected? Right. Because that's pretty much my principal focus now is how do we bring these into digital worlds? How do we display them? How do we do it like ethically and responsibly uh, and very like art forward? Um, what do we do? Where are we going? Uh, that's also uh, what keeps me busy at the moment. Uh, what you see behind me is a, a recent collab I have done with Kim Asendorf. Mm. Uh, this has been running for three days, so I'm testing it. Um, if it. If it doesn't crash and if it just runs as it's supposed to. Uh, I'm also basically testing and uh, try to experience what it is like to live with screens uh, in, in basically in your house, in your real life, right? Yeah. Uh, you can't have like 100 screens at home. You can't show everything in your wallet. You have like a couple of prints. Uh, you have maybe one or two screens, maybe a couple of more. I don't know. Uh, I'm right now as an artist, I'm trying to explore the space uh, between animation and an image. Like how can I make something that is more digital than just a traditional painting, but it also it's also not something that absolutely goes crazy all the time and blinks and is too busy. Sure. Um, and how can I make something um, that is basically nice to live with in a space? Uh, so I work here, I live here, I do stuff here. Um, I have calls, uh, I'm on podcasts and stuff. Um, and I have different screens around me playing art and displaying art. And I'm first trying to uh, experience what is it like, what makes sense, what works, what doesn't. Uh, because that's the experience I try to create for collectors, basically. So I have, I have like some art that is really made for Twitter, uh, that is like very quick and busy. And so something that is like engineered for a timeline, if you will. Um, and then I have other art that is made uh, to be run continuously for a day or like forever. Um, but it's hard uh, because it's obviously like a technical challenge and you also need to test it. You need to like eat your own dog food and experience it and make something that you think, okay, like I've been looking at this for a week and I still like it. Yeah. And that's not so easy and uh, that requires more, more patience than most people have right now. Uh, but I believe that this is uh, what we need to do. And that, that um, touches the art itself, but it also touches like display quality, uh, technology, uh, habits, um, user experience, if you will, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm in here uh, empathizing because I have like 15 TV screens and three projectors and, uh, you know, a couple VR headsets and always trying to figure out how we can actually begin to live with this stuff. And, and frankly, it's not easy. I haven't found a really good solution. For me, 
it's, I, it's really difficult to like want or encourage somebody to put it on a television screen. Yeah. Uh, so I, I continue to kind of push people more into digital spaces. I think digital art belongs in digital spaces. I do believe in like the metaverse of, of a future and people uh, having more fluidity between, you know, their physical bodies and the avatars, the personas that they create for themselves. I think that is, is super, super important. Um, yeah. And just also like continuing to, to play and experiment and see how these things fit because, you know, unlike a, a painting, it is difficult to just like hang it up and, and live with it. I want to speak to you more about this idea of like creating art for the timeline and creating art that people live with. Um, yeah. Because like all too often it does really seem like, and this has been pretty consistent, um, that art that is designed for the timeline has performed better. Um, it just seems, you know, it's eye catching. It's, it's people share it. They, and does that worry or bother you? Oh yeah. It's a massive problem. Um, because we're, we're too early and we constantly need to educate collectors and, and, um, we basically need to have trust, uh, in the quality of the art itself because, um, nothing else can compete with that and nothing else will actually do what we want. Uh, in the end, it has to be uh, the quality of the art itself that sort of delivers that. And um, I, I realize that um, when I have like a long form project and it has better thumbnails, it sells quicker. Uh, when I make uh, cool GIFs that are like really colorful and very busy and look great on Twitter, uh, those sell instantly. Yeah. Uh, when I do something that is fantastic to look at for a whole day, but it doesn't have an exciting thumbnail, it's hard to sell it. Um, and I also get feedback from collectors that like, hey, I love this and that piece and I look at it every day or I have opened it at a party. Uh, I show it to my friends. I come back to it again and again. Um, then I realize, okay, it's actually working. Uh, but this is clearly um, a minority, I would say. And it's, it's, it's the people who pay attention and the people who are really passionate and have some knowledge. Uh, and sort of like listen to what you have to say and really look at the art. Um, and that is clearly a, min a minority for now. Uh, then again, uh, the art that we produce will be around for a long time because it is on the blockchain. So um, we just have to um, have the patience and wait for the right art to find the right kind of people, I believe. Yeah, I'm, I'm over here, fingers crossed. It's uh... Uh, Then again, I also like <laughs> I'm... I'm, I'm I'm really feeling like the people who create art for the timeline uh, and the audience who eats that, I think, I mean, good for you, right? Uh, it's cool. It's, it's like, it's almost its own genre um, to design for the attention span of like milliseconds and seconds. And it's just a different thing than uh, designing something uh, for, for a week or for a year or something like that. And the same is true for images. I mean, a lot of people have like massive success right now with um, just images because uh, images work well. Um, images have uh, worked very well for hundreds of years. Uh, personally, I believe uh, what's really exciting is um, animation and motion and things that change over time because that is what the medium can do. That is actually new that we need to explore and engage with. Um, but amen. I mean, people make cool images. Other people buy images like good for them, you know? 
Yeah, I, you know, for whatever reason, it brings me back, and I think this is probably somebody who is uh, is frustrated with the space. They go by Art Boffin. Uh, they, you know, released a a a piece that is just like a never ending clock, uh, and it, it starts out as uh, squares, maybe like sixteen squares, and each one is rotating on prime numbers. So whatever the first one might take three seconds, the next one seven seconds. Uh, so it'll never create the same image, but you yeah. kind of have to like, the idea is to just like sit there and live with it. And that is the art piece. They have like a billion second clock as well. And all of these, you know, pieces are designed to, you know, it's, it's just, I, I really liked those experiments. Um, and I don't think many other people did, but uh, I think, I don't know what really the point is, but I wanted to shout those pieces out. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of conceptual work that plays with uh, long duration and time in general, uh, which is um, very cool, always super interesting. Um, obviously, it's also problematic if the art um, requires more attention span than you have. Yeah. Uh, sort of like, okay, uh, what are you going to do? Like, you have a conceptual art piece and you know it will run for 10,000 years or whatever, um, and you know that you won't see the end of it. Um, and, you know, if the aesthetics aren't up there um, in terms of quality, uh, you're not going to come back. So um, we also need to make something that is a, a bit more than a concept, I think, most of the time. Because I think last year, um, the most interesting conceptual pieces in terms of what you can do with blockchain and time and stuff like that have been done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think uh, we've we've been there, um, and now we are back to where we have to actually deliver aesthetics and content, and and interesting visuals that um, make people um, want to have screen in their home and run this. So, like one of the best feedbacks that I get from collectors is when they say, "Wow, I love this. I want to have this on a screen at home." That's like a, a good feeling. That I think, okay, if that's actually the thought that I provoke with my art in you. That's great because then we're one step closer to you actually buying a screen and displaying this um, quote unquote permanently at your home. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, how do you feel about just, you know, there is almost like with generative art, for example, right? So you, can, you can create a code, you can create a model and from that you can generate ad infinitum, right? There is almost this never ending ability to create digital art so much more quicker, quickly. Uh, so how do you feel about, you know, do we have a supply problem? Are there people that like, you know, have too much momentum, they dump too much into the market. There's, you know, is, is this something that we are gonna have to reconcile with eventually? Uh, yeah, I think the market will do its thing. And it will balance out. Um, because for me personally, I don't feel like I have more output than a traditional painter. Uh, when yeah. I do like a generative long-term thing, it takes time to come up with something good. Uh, it also takes a lot of time to test it and to explore it and to sort of like uh, tweak it to a point where it's really good. So um, yes, I can do exciting stuff with code in 20 minutes. Um, in the end, if I look at my output, like over the last two years, I'm not really... Um, much more productive than a traditional painter, I would say. Right. So you, you still need to like hang out in studio in the studio, fight for yourself, come up with art and and test it, and then sort of like also find a market for it. And that all takes time, 
which in the end, like um, we have these digital channels and means, but um, it's still like the same amount of work, I think, or even more maybe. Um, what is really new is that we have access to more people and the audience is much bigger. Um, mm -hmm. So people can absorb more art very clearly. And we have like less gatekeepers and sort of like just on a global scale, I would say we have just more attention, which is why we see so many images and so many drops and so many pictures. Um, and I think that's, that's a good thing. And this will probably continue um, to escalate. Um, and then there will be new um, gatekeepers or curators or formats or whatever that will narrow it down to something that feels uh, like an amount that you can deal with. I mean, I think this, this space does have a actually very natural way of self-correcting. It does feel like when somebody gets too big, they do kind of get, get brought down in some way or another. And it is kind of uh, everybody is, you know, kind of, kind of growing and falling and rising and falling and... Uh, it happens very quickly, and that is very interesting. How I'm, I'm curious, how you uh, do you enjoy interfacing directly with your collectors? Uh, is that kind of more of a, a new responsibility? Um, uh, that's a big responsibility. Um, I still don't have a Discord. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I, I mean, um, whenever I do a drop, I interface a lot with collectors uh, and, and also at other times, and I really enjoy it. Uh, I love the feedback. I love all kinds of different um, things people say, like what they feel um, when they see mm -hmm. the art, uh, what they do with it, and also what they want. Uh, in general, I have like very very few negative experiences and mostly positive experiences. Um, and it feels great to have an audience and to get feedback from people. Uh, I mean, when you when you have a drop, um, there is a lot of attention and people want to get on allow lists and stuff and have questions. And it's definitely a level of communication that was surprising at first and that is still a struggle to deal with. Uh, but in the end, I'm, I'm very grateful for it and I really enjoy it. Uh, basically uh, hearing directly from the end customer, if you will, uh, because like I've spent uh, more than a decade in digital products. So um, in the end, um, I see art as a user experience, as a product hmm. and the collectors as a user, like there is at least there is a layer of like, uh, okay, this is a product, how well does it work technically and otherwise. Uh, and it's great to get feedback directly um, from collectors. Absolutely love it. Do you want to talk more about maybe your experiences on, on Tezos and, and what you've enjoyed there and kind of the, the specialness of that community? Um, well, first, um, most of the people I align with have been there. So I had like some natural gravity to Tezos. Uh, and then it was just really fun to discover um, what the medium can do together. Like I remember there was a moment when we had like SVGs as the first platform on uh, Hikadunk. Yeah. And then there was another moment where someone built something interactive uh, into an SVG, and then we evolved from there to actually be able to mint code, uh, which is what I have done like for years before that. So that was a, like a massive uh, watershed moment when I realized, okay, I can just mint HTML and JavaScript now. Um, I can do uh, dynamic code-based stuff. Uh, there was like a moment where this became possible. Like I don't know the exact date, but. It was just impossible before that, and then it was possible, and then everybody started doing this, and uh, it was absolutely magic. And yeah. um, I mean, I that think... had to have been maybe like a year ago, maybe more. Uh, a bit more, I think. Yeah, a bit more. 
Uh, well, obviously, like um, I, I have done uh, interactive stuff on my website for many years, and I used to just upload something, and then that was it. Maybe I would make a tweet. Right. Uh, maybe someone would say, "Hey, cool, I like it," or whatever. Or like a friend would say, "Hey, I have seen your new thing. Uh, it's very cool," or "I hate it," or whatever. Uh, and now there is a, a whole other level of engagement, um, in, like financially, but also uh, socially on, on on every layer, which is absolutely exciting. Um, and I think this has been enabled by by Tezos um, a lot because I wouldn't have been able to afford the gas fees. Um, I didn't want to do anything that basically angers uh, my collectors or get into any fights because of the environmental thing. And, and Tezos was absolutely great for that and, and still is. I mean, uh, we can do our own custom things. I have like friends who write their own contracts, create platforms, uh, invent products. And it's amazing. It's so it's so frictionless and it's so easy. And it's really like, um, of course, you need to be like technical, but it's not rocket science. It's very doable and very approachable. Uh, and I think that's absolutely great. I'd love to hear from you just some other artists you really enjoy, um, people who, who you think are working <laughs> at a good level. If you want to share, I know you'll probably not get to everybody and somebody will be offended. But if there's a couple of people um I, I think it's never a good idea to get too much into that um, <laughs> all right, all right. we don't have to yeah yeah yeah. that's it, risky it, it it does get it does get political for sure um, uh I, I i can say like in general i'm trying to align with um other artists uh, who do similar stuff uh which is yeah. at the moment uh mostly um how, long -term. How, yeah how about this have you done any other collaborations uh, I have done a few collaborations, yes. Um, my most recent collaboration was with Kim Ossendorf, uh, which was absolutely great. This is someone I align with uh, because we are doing real-time uh, generative art, like stuff that actually isn't pre-rendered, but runs in real time. Uh, and that's, I think, what is the most exciting thing at the moment and what we try to establish and explain to collectors and also, like, sell. Uh, so we try, like, it's... Uh, a bit simple, um, but uh, you could say that like try to go beyond just JPEGs and and right. pre-rendered MP4s and really like have uh, art that runs in in real uh, in real time on your machine, uh, which is very very exciting for us. But it's also difficult to communicate. Um, and I have other collabs, uh, for example, with Richard Nodler on FX Hash um, that was like uh, pretty successful for us. Um, and he is not a coder. He does other stuff. He just delivered images, and I wrote some code that does something with it. Um, that also worked great, and it's just this incredible, mind blowing that you can just call up the most amazing artists and start a collab overnight, <laughs> and say, okay, like, look, we have a fifty-fifty split or whatever, and we do it on this platform, and let's try this or that, and. People are really nice and really approachable, and I mean, it's it's just just insane how easy it is these days to do, do a collab, right? Yeah. And and I have like ten people or so lined up to do a collab, like the most amazing musicians, visual artists, conceptual artists, all kinds of super interesting people. I don't even have time to collaborate with anyone uh, with everyone I like to. Uh, so it's a struggle um, because I need to manage it somehow, but it's um, it's still like it's unbelievable how easy it is. I mean, that was always what made the space so special, right? It was less about kind of the individual ego of the artist and the ability to like have a, a cross communication from wherever people were just based on common interests. And people like you're right are just generally so friendly, 
so willing, like open to the experiment. Um, and that is, I think, something that is very unique and novel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I'm super interested in, surprised it hasn't taken off more than it has, is uh, artwork kind of based on oracles. So like real time generation of what whatever it is, the weather outside or um, and I think the ability to do that on chain is still a bit hampered. I think uh, Trevor Jones and a lot of money did something just based on like the price of Ethereum. Um, but I'm excited to see more explorations into this as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm also working on that uh, with my uh, latest collab with Kim. Uh, we have a piece that is uh, uh, like a multi-channel piece. It has 128 NFTs in the collection, and they're all synchronized uh, with global time. Amazing. Um, and they have like from one token ID to the next, there is a one second delay. Um, so in, in the gallery, we have done an installation with eight screens with the first eight tokens. Uh, and you can see them sort of like delayed over time. They're also like um, in a way similar, but also different from token to token. Uh, so we're trying to figure out how we can work with um, collections um, and spaces in a way that is sort of like smarter than just doing different random stuff with some variation. Sort of like have more, more coordination, uh, more intelligent um, sculptures, structures um, in space and in time. Uh, but we're like at, at the very beginning there, I would say. So right now we just like uh, used time, right? And graphics cards to do interesting stuff in real time. But there is so much more, uh, whether it's the price of Ethereum or like all the data that is out there in the world. Um, in our case, we have a, an on-chain project. So we put the whole code on-chain. Cool. Um, and it's difficult to integrate data from somewhere else because uh, it needs to be permanent. It, we need to make sure that it is available also in like 10 or 50 or 100 years. Right. Um, but there's ways to deal with that and, and much, much more to explore in that direction. Yeah, fascinating. I'm, I'm really looking forward to those experiments. Uh, would love to be just kept informed. You really got to you got to open that discord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll we'll have a we'll have a page for that for that drop shortly. Uh, we're still struggling with with how do we explain it to collectors because collectors have a very fixed mindset right now. Like either it is an addition or it is like a one of one or it is a long form drop. Right. And if you do anything in between, uh, it takes a lot more work to explain what is happening and and what the value is and how it works. And people also need to be like interested and have the attention span it takes to um, engage with um, work that is sort of avant-garde or like new or does something extra. Building new mental models for people is impossible. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe it's... it is possible, maybe a romantic perspective, but um, yeah. I believe it needs to be done. And uh, we are very aware that uh, we, we basically um, take a financial and uh, a financial risk by doing stuff that not everyone understands instantly. Uh, but then again, I mean, everything is also long term because it's on chain, so um, it can always take off later, and and people will understand it over time uh, when they look back and figure out, okay, what was actually innovative and new at this or that point in time. Cool. Um, you know. We are nearing the end of our time, uh, so I want to give you the last word. Anything that we didn't touch, anything that we didn't cover, definitely let people know where they can find you, uh, how to get in touch if you want to get in touch. Um, yeah. 
Um, yeah, thank you. Um, uh, always check out my website, leonderherzog.ch, uh, for a lot of the work. You can just look at it. You don't need to buy it. Um, there's a lot of stuff to just see. Um, I also have work on object and FX hash. Um, I have uh, collabs and new projects coming up. Um, follow me on Twitter. It will always be announced there. Um, and I will try to do more and more uh, real-time work that is uh, responsive, is scalable in all kinds of directions, runs directly on your device, uh, and really try to focus on that as, as much as possible and try to find the audience that values that, that kind of work and try to align with artists that sort of like work in similar um, direction. Dope. Well, I really appreciated the conversation. Uh, we'll close it out here. I'm Colborn Bell. Museum of Crypto Arts. Uh, artist Leander Herzog was our guest today. Special thank you to Deminti for putting us together uh, and getting this out to you all. Thank you.